Hello, and welcome to The Funny Thing About Yoga, where we talk all things yoga and maybe make you laugh a little bit. I'm Gianna Gambino. And I'm Bradshaw Wish. Enjoy the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, I'm having so much fun. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Funny Thing About Yoga. It's me, the leader of the podcast, Bradshaw Wish, and my um, co-host, Gianna Douglas Angelo Gambino. And we are so excited to have you here. Definitely not, not. Definitely <laughs> not my middle names and also not true. It's like you might be like the star of the show, but I have so no, I think much, you're the star. So much work to do to like just get be you here and edit everything and, you know, give ideas. I just, you know, being the beauty, the brains, and she is the beauty, the, the cash brains. cow. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It's just like uh, you do it all and you're the face. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the, I'm the beautiful Botox lip fillered face. I mean, come as you are, come as you are, baby, come as you are, as you want to be. Okay. You could come with or without Botox. (laughs) (laughs) On our next retreat, we have half Botox and half non-Botox. Everyone's welcome. (laughs) Sorry for those of you who are like, what are you talking about? Our school Kaya yoga school is it's, cheesy but we love it and we stand by it come as you are so we're yes, poking we fun at ourselves yeah we like to have a good time um but what are we here to talk about Gigi Gianna Gambino we're gonna have a very special episode about mental health and yoga you know May is mental health awareness month and I think having an episode on this, especially because it ties into yoga so well, will just help kind of reduce the stigma around mental health. And I think that's why there's a whole month dedicated to it. And I think you and I have a lot that we can share. We could get a little bit personal and just like talk about. Yeah. How about this? How about like we share our personal experiences and then we can talk about how yoga can help and Mm -hmm. how mental health and yoga um, can really benefit each other and how they're You see, you see this is like the plan, but if I ever sent Bradshaw an actual outline for a podcast, he wouldn't read it. No, no, no. That's why I make the plans. Yeah, no, he just can't read. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't read since 2007. Um, but did you read it of, 2007? No, but like, seriously, speaking of like, you know, mental health, we'll talk about my therapist in a second, but my therapist a couple days ago, I was like, I, haven't, I, I was like, I have a degree in advertising research. She goes, really? I know. I know. <laughs> I know. I, did you like pay someone to graduate? Not, not calling. Gianna, me- that is not funny. <laughs> And yes, I did. Her name was Meredith. I am <laughs> <laughs> uh, not saying that because you're very intelligent, but you just literally. I have really bad ADHD. Like, don't you don't let you don't make yourself do anything you don't want to do. That's like <laughs> that's like the nicest way. I think I that's put also. It. I think that's also a great way to live life. Why would I make myself do something I don't want to do? Well, because no one wants to do school. Some people do. Some people love school. 
I kind of loved school. Yeah, of course you did. If you were like, I didn't, I didn't do any extra work, but I did like school. Like I didn't apply myself. Imagine how much smarter I'd be if I applied myself a little bit more. (laughs) Oh my God. Okay. Let's start off with what really, what we should really be talking about. And it's your mental health. And then we'll talk about mine. Okay. Can, can I say something before we begin? Trisha always likes to tell me that I, this, I need to work on this in therapy and (laughs) it's true. It's true. It actually is true. But yeah, I just don't want you to say that this episode. Okay. Cause he's going to be mean and this is going to be, I'm not going to be mean. I would never be mean to you. Well, I want you to create a safe space right here. Oh my God. I can feel it. It feels so safe. It's actually, it hurts. So safe. Okay. So in our very first podcast episode ever, I talked about how I found yoga because I was dealing with a lot of grief and it was the suggestion of my mom, like, go, go try this out. And I think this can be like a very (laughs) short summary. (laughs) If I were going to like describe, I'm like, okay, we could go all night. No. Yeah. But if I were going to describe like the things that have always drawn me to yoga has always been like, it's always been a process and tool for me to like work through things that I'm experiencing emotionally. So like I first came to yoga through a lot of grief. I was experiencing a ton of loss. I, um, I didn't get into it in that first episode, but I, you know, I lost my dad in the year 2000, I was, um, about to enter high school. And I think that kind of, you know, experiencing loss at any age is really, really tough. It doesn't ever really go away. It just with time starts to become part of you and like becomes like woven into the fabric of your being. And I think that's kind of, uh, you know, how I went through my teenage years and then I went to college and then in college, I experienced a couple of like major deaths in a row. And it felt like every weekend I was going home for funerals. And the unique thing about this experience was, I think, I think when I thought about death, it would always be about like old people, you know, like really, really old people. Yeah. That's normal. Like people die, but I. But that's ex- also like a normal thing to think about, like to think it's going to be old people. And then your dad, who wasn't that old died, but you're like, thir- how old were you? 13 or 14? I was 14 and so you're 14. And so it's just like your perception of like death at that age is like old people die. And like, that's it. Oh yeah. Unless you had experience like yours, which is your dad died when you were 14. Totally. And my, my dad passed away in a, in a plane crash, which I don't talk about often, but he was a perfectly healthy 42 year old who ran like five miles on the treadmill the morning he died. And so that obviously made me have a different outlook on life of like, Mm -hmm we're here one minute or, and you never know what could happen and you're not there the next. And is that like a fear of yours when it comes to death is like dying like that? Or like, do you think about dying like that? Does that give you anxiety or does, what do you mean by, by that? Just like suddenly? Yeah. Like, like a sudden death. I mean, I don't think I just, I would, I don't know. This is like a catch 22 of like, like what I, I think it's, 
I think it'd be in a way, I think it'd be like amazing to die like that. And that sounds way, so fucked I up. Just, I don't mean it like that. I know it was your dad who died. I'm just saying if I'm thinking if I like if I had a choice to die, we're always talking I, about death. I, I would I would I've seen I've I've known people have died instantly and then people have like suffered like from years of cancer and I would much rather get you know yeah, I would die instantly. Yeah. That's kind of what I was going to say. It's like from the grieving end of the perspective, I've experienced the sudden death like my father's mm-hmm. and then I've experienced the long-term illness. And I don't like, there is no like better or worse. Like yeah. both are fucking terrible, mm-hmm. but it is very, very sad to see someone you love in a decline for a long extended period of time and like watch the suffering. So I, mm. I didn't have the experience of watching someone suffer back when I lost my dad, it was, you know, and in, in a different way, like the processing is like the aftermath is like the suffering because Mm. it's like a PTSD shock to your system of like just one day, your whole life is different, but I didn't even think I would get into this so much, but the, you know, I, I've had great grandparents die. Cause I, my parents had kids really early. So I knew my great grandparents, like experienced that. I experienced, you know, the loss of just older people. Of course, my dad was like sudden freak accident. But then when I was a teenager, I was 17. When I went to college, the first few weeks of school, I kept losing people my age. And like, that was the first time it kind of hit me where I was like, the guy I went to prom died. Uh, and like three months after the three months after prom, he was in a car crash and whatever. So I was, uh, he died. My best friend's little sister died. I was going home from for funerals like all the time. And they were for like young, healthy people. And that's what led me to yoga. And because I didn't know what to do with my grief. I just had this, this like yearning to just go home. I wanted to drop out of college. And I was like, how can I adjust to an you know, another huge life change. And so I, I found yoga and I have to say it didn't at first, like it didn't provide me with this like immediate relief. It wasn't like, Oh, found yoga and, and I'm cured there. I've went through a lot of struggles with the grief and the depression I've been on, or I've tried to be on medications for it in addition to these other things. And, you know, I think I think that's a good like starting point. (laughs) I just want to talk about like my history of um, just arriving from a point of like depression and grief. Mm -hmm. So let's just pause there for a second because I mean, I can go deeper into my relationship with yoga and how it's benefited me and specifically in regard to mental health. But I'd like for you to give some context around your story and how Mm your yoga practice may have been one of the tools. I know you have many mm-hmm. in your own mental health journey. Yeah. I mean, I've had a, a, um, what's the word that I want to use? Like a transformative experience from in-depth therapy from the past five or so years. I spent, I started going to therapy pre-pandemic, once a week. And then I started going twice a week. Uh, so I've been very, very invested in my mental health. The reason that I started going is because I was suffering. I mean, I mean, truly suffering with extreme anxiety, um, extreme depression and crippling OCD. 
mm -hmm. terms of mental health, you know, mental health and Ill mental illness um, runs thick on both sides of my family, from grandparents to parents to siblings. Uh, it just really runs rampant throughout both sides of my family. So mm -hmm. um, I just found myself in a space five years ago of not being able to process and understand why I was so anxious and so depressed. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's what led me to go to therapy. And then through therapy, I realized that I was, you know, I had a lot of obsessive compulsive thinking, which mm -hmm. you and I both have. Yeah. Um, and it's funny, I th people perceive me on the outside as a very kind of uh, go along, get along, don't really care, blase type of person. But deep down, I am someone who thinks very, very deeply, mm -hmm. number one, um, and thinks on a, a level about life that I think people don't often would, they wouldn't perceive me mm -hmm. to be like. Yeah. Like you're saying like people don't know you're as deep and introspective as you are. Yes, okay. exactly. And that that's true. And I think that, uh, uncovering that part of myself and trying to be more open with the people that I care about, be more vulnerable with them and not just like make everything a joke has mm -hmm. definitely been um, me uncovering how to work on my mental health. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's something that I think about mental health every single day. I take 40 milligrams of Prozac. I try to drink a lot of water. I try to get a lot of sleep. I try to go to therapy because mm -hmm. since it is something that I really struggle with, it's something that I work on every single day. Mm -hmm. every yeah. single day um and the people and it, that know me really close like my mm -hmm. sister she knows like you know knows my struggles with mental health and like we're able to really connect and talk about those things mm -hmm. um yeah so yeah yeah well like do you want to you want to give some examples of our OCD okay well can I just say one thing like I didn't know that I had like obsessive thinking until going to therapy. Like, I just thought it was normal. It's like, you, what do you mean? Like, like people don't like, not everyone thinks this much. Like, what do you mean? It's exhausting being inside my head. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, sure. Do you want to give an example? I'm not. Oh, I'll give examples. <laughs> I think that it's important. I think it's okay. really important for people to understand, you know, sure. I have no problem being vulnerable about these things. Uh, number, the first one is from a child. And this is like a very deep, vulnerable thing for me. And everyone, I was very, very flamboyant from a very young age. And I could sense just by the world around me that I was different. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't know what the thing was. And then I found out at a young age, about nine here, or like watching a movie, figuring out what gay was. And then like, incorporate like being like oh that's me like seeing myself in that word people talking about it and I used to like obsess like I'm gay I'm gay I'm gay I'm gay which was true mm -hmm. <laughs> but it, I would make myself sick because yeah. I associated that with being bad so like yeah. it was an obsession in my mind I'm you know this is this is bad no one's gonna love me no one's gonna love me mm -hmm. no one's gonna love me for like from you know age eight till I started going to therapy really. So, That's you know, so freaking sad. And I also think it's so common, which is even sadder. Oh, for sure. I mean, we all, we, again, we all, we all have our things, but I mean, I was, I would literally obsess about it so much that I would vomit, like I would get mm -hmm. sick. And uh. so like, you know, I didn't realize that until years later that this was obsessive thinking, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I, it, I've really, and I had so much built up shame 
and guilt yeah thinking that um you know i wasn't going to be loved another mm -hmm. obsession i mean kind of correlates to this but um are we getting too deep no i kind of like it because we're going to bring this back to yoga in a second okay like or another I'll try <laughs> obsession was like i think for for my mom since i was gay she like was very they were very accepting quote unquote but i think she had a lot of fear that she didn't like mm -hmm. tell me but i could sense um mm -hmm. so she was like you know use protection use protection when you have sex like she was so i think she she wouldn't say it but she was terrified of me getting hiv Mm -hmm. And so I, as a result, was terrified of mm -hmm. getting HIV and had this very, very unrealistic, like I would touch someone and be like, I have, I have HIV, I have HIV, I have HIV, like, and mm -hmm. obsess, 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 obsess. I would kiss someone obsessed thinking I have HIV, gay, straight, doesn't care. It would, it was just, it would consume me to the point where mm -hmm. like, I would go get tested like every two weeks. Like I was, oh my God, literally not, me too. And I'm not gay. <laughs> and you're, and you're not gay. Do you know what I mean? But, but like, I'm like a hypochondriac. So, which is so yeah. sad. And also everyone listening to this, I want everyone to know if someone is undetectable, and they're HIV positive, you can't contract HIV. This is this is an, an irrational, obsessive fear mm -hmm. that is instilled. It's a societal, it was, it comes just from society. There's just like, yeah, like internalized homophobia. It's just like I was terrified. Mm -hmm. So uh well, that also has, think about our parents' generation though, mm -hmm. and like what they've witnessed mm -hmm. at the and time. A lot of my is, yeah, my friend is my so different than yeah where we're at right now today with medicine. So mm -hmm. I think the fear level, unfortunately, like kind of groomed your mom around and then, you know, the yes. whole 80s and then crisis. Was, and then it was kind of projected onto you. Of course, it's called generational trauma. I don't know if anyone's heard of it, but um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And then one, one, one more just related to yoga. One more. Oh my one God. We get, we're yoga. literally just the what whole just, episode. The whole entire episode is me all talking Brad about Shosh. my obsessions. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm gay. I'm afraid of HIV. What else do we have to talk about? Um, <laughs> I, the, my other, and it's, and again, that is like, I joke about it, but it's very, very sad because it like really, really affected my, yeah. uh, my relationship with myself, my relationship with sex and my mm -hmm. in intimacy with other people. Yeah. Um, moving on three, I would say <laughs> that like, like sometimes like this is more like a daily thing where like, mm -hmm. I'll say something in class and be like, I shouldn't have said that. 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 I said, it yeah, I do that time. one too. That, yeah. that, that, like, that's another kind of just like general obsession, but now because of therapy mm -hmm. and because of yoga and mindfulness, when I do start to spiral, I'm just like, Bradshaw, you're being completely irrational. Like mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm really able to, I'm much better, not always to unhook myself and being like, you're having irrational thinking, yeah. you're obsessive. This is not rooted in reality. You mm -hmm. need to take a couple deep breaths and you need to recenter. So for me, that's where the yoga comes in. Yeah. Is the breathing. It's the recentering. It's the putting the feet on the ground. Mm -hmm. it's, it's the, it's the pause. Or maybe it's just like, what you described as kind of not identifying with that fear-based thought, but just being able to observe it. Yes. Huge. So, and I think that's like one of the biggest things that, you know, my yoga practice has taught me. And I think what we hope to cultivate in our students, you know, as teachers, we Absolutely. want them to be able to be observers of what's mm -hmm. happening in the mind because 
Well, this is going to sound so silly, but like that, that's kind of like the point of it, right? It's like, just, just getting to the basic yoga. I, I know everyone defines yoga as just like union. And then mm-hmm. that's like the simplified or yoking, yoking together, mm. the mind, the body, the breath, the soul, whatever you want to kind of simplify that. And before we kind of like go into this, I just want to say two things. Like I'm not a scholar, like both Bradshaw and I, we're not like scholars on mental health or in like the no. philosophy of yoga. No, I we, think that we're, I think that we're being very frank that we're just talking about our personal experience. Yeah. We're yeah. And, even and how when it's we related talk, to our mental health. It's not, and it's not for anyone else's, you know, we're it, not yeah, we telling don't anyone to, what they're feeling, or what their yoga should be or anything like that. This is totally. just from our, 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 you know, our perspective and our minds. Yeah. Everyone has their own experience. Um, Um, but yeah, so like going back to that definition of yoga and like taking this back to, to like one of the reasons why yoga (laughs) is like, I just want to say, it's like, I don't want to say this that where it sounds cheesy or simplified, but I think by nature of what yoga is, it is like a therapeutic tool because it helps us silence the fluctuations of the mind. That's that in, in like Patanjali's yoga sutras, that is what he lays out as chitta vritti nirodha, which is chitta is the mind, that monkey mind, the spiraling, the thoughts, all those things that we start to ruminate in and then we start to identify with the i me the mys all mm-hmm. that and then the the vritti is the fluctuation of it the incessant flow and cycling and that it's like the trap that's what's getting you trapped in it and then naroda is the release and the freedom of that and in order to to kind of embody yoga it's not just asana like what we do that's why patanjali lays out the eight-limbed path that's why we have the yamas the niyamas these are like kind of the yoga ethics then we have asana then pranayama which i kind of want to pause and focus on breath a little bit because i think both you and i bradshaw like maybe this hit us a little bit later in our journey with the yoga practice. Cause I think when we entered, we got hooked on asana. We entered that way and we didn't really discover the pranayama and the other limbs until later. And I don't necessarily want to speak for you, but for me, like one of the main tools I use to regulate my nervous system is, is breath and breathing and, and pranayama. So yeah, let's talk about the nervous system a little bit and why yoga helps us enter into that parasympathetic state. And we could kind of like, for people who are like, what are you talking about? What's like, what is, what does this mean? Yeah. So your, uh, your, you know, two parts, think of your nervous system is split into half. You have the sympathetic and then you have the parasympathetic nervous system. The parasympathetic nervous system is where your rest, restore, relax. And then the sympathetic nervous system is like the fight or flight. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the fight and flight is the part of the nervous system that I think most people live in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you want to heal, you want to rest and restore, you want to um, find calmness in your life, 
you want to be able to access the parasympathetic nervous system quicker. And a mm-hmm. yoga is, yoga practice is a very good way of doing that. I'm going to speak from my experience of vinyasa yoga. Mm-hmm. And vinyasa yoga is a rhythmic based practice where you're linking breath and movement, where it's literally like, like the inhales match the exhales. It's like, it's like watching a pendulum swing on a clock. Mm-hmm. And so if you're feeling anxious, if you're feeling your heart is racing by practicing a vinyasa, or doing a vinyasa class, that steadiness of the inhales and the exhales with the movement will help you regulate your nervous system. Mm -hmm. And that's when I think when people say like, in my opinion, that's flow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For me. Do you ever ever see like, like this stereotypical image of someone maybe in a movie, like having a panic attack and they're like breathing into a bag. (laughs) Do you remember yeah yeah but the thing is is if you've actually had a panic attack you know that's not what it's like I know <laughs> you know like you know it's I I, I panic attacks are just they're the so, worst thing ever they're literally yeah. the worst thing ever but like yeah when you're in them there's just like it's so hard to get out yeah it is and I mean, breathing, like the, but going yeah, back yeah, to what yeah. you were just just describing, you know, our autonomic nervous system and just like getting out of that fight or flight, that sympathetic, and then starting to slow your breath, that'll start to bring you into the parasympathetic. I think that is the most, or like this aspect is like the most, it's the most un- tangible, un- the most tangible, but it's the most underrated. I feel like people yeah. don't like, or at it, least, yeah. at least. People that aren't smart, people that aren't like us. Yeah. (laughs) That's not what I'm saying. I just mean like, I feel, I don't know. I feel like a lot, I feel like it's missed. It's missed a lot. So, uh, so caught up in the, in the movement for sure. In the movement and the the poses and all of that. And I think like, I think it's so important to, when you're practicing yoga to, to literally regulate your breath first and foremost, like, cause Cause I remember in the very beginning and I'm kind of like going back and I, I, I said I was led to yoga for grief, but it was so hard for me to actually be present in the class. And I wish I had more breath instruction because mm-hmm. I do think breath instruction helps bring, bring you into the present moment. And like, I felt like there was something missing where I just like couldn't access it at that time. I also would like to say that like being in that state of flow or being in that like that space where you're really present for mm-hmm. a full 60 minutes to me feels damn near impossible. I haven't done it yet for a full mm. 60 minutes. I mean, I just haven't. So I think that it's important just mm. for listeners to hear that like it, I remember feeling like guilty that I wasn't able to focus. Yeah. In a yoga class. I'm like, why can't like I get my brain to stop thinking? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went to therapy and understood why I, uh, you know, now it's easier because I understand more of how I think and my brain. Yeah. But it, used, it was very, very frustrating. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's definitely some like, you know, some shame in there. Like, why can't I get my brain to stop thinking? Mm-hmm. Um, during a yoga class. And I'm just like, I, I hope that if you are, so, if you are listening to this and you relate to that, just know, like, mm-hmm. it's so common. It is so common. common. I, I still feel that way. Like every time I meditate, I I'm more easily able to access that flow state or that moving meditation and like be really connected Mm -hmm. in my 
asana practice, but it is much harder for me to do it in just a med like a seated meditation. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like those, those TikToks or Instagram reels where like mm -hmm. my mind when I'm meditating and it's, um, that audio of who, do you know what I'm talking about? It's like, yeah, that. but did you see the one that I just did today that was literally about meditation? I actually didn't watch it. Don't kill you me. You just liked it. Yeah. I was just like, he posted something. I like it. He did his job. <laughs> I would also, I would oh, wait, also... I, I, I do know what you did. Cause you've been doing like different types of students of meditation, yeah. but I just mean like, it's literally like that, that rap that I can't even attempt to mimic yeah. or it's like a million more million words a minute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I think before you go on to that, cause I kind of want to like talk about this for a little, like, that's like what the mind does, you know, like that's kind of it's job. It's, it's job, job is to think. It's job is to think. <laughs> and I, who was it who said it was, um, I wrote this down cause I didn't want to forget it. Amy Weintraub who writes about, um, literally yoga and depression and yoga and mental health. She's a published author and she's written for yoga journal, whatever. But she said the body is always present, but the mind is a time traveler. And I just love that. Like very mm -hmm. simply put, because I remember when I was first starting to practice yoga, exactly what you were describing. We'd be in warrior two, but I'm thinking about what I'm cooking for dinner. Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, fixing my pants. I'm wondering if I look stupid. Mm -hmm. I'm like all these stories were going, I, yeah, going round and round. And I think that like we've talking, we've talking, talking, we've spoken so much like in a joking way, in a serious way about like the phones and like mm -hmm. the iWatches, but like, you, you know, it's already so hard. Why add something else that's going to make it even harder? Yeah. You know, like the phone, we're just we're, like, like additional distractions, additional distractions. Mean? Yeah. Like yeah. the phone and the watches are, there's such additional distractions and it's just like, give yourself just an hour. I know it's hard, but like, just give mm -hmm. yourself that time to like, feel your feet on the ground. Um, yeah. So I, I would also like to say, you know, we're talking about when I, when we were talking, you know, you, I was thinking prior to this call when we, you're like, okay, we're going to talk about mental health and yoga. When I think about mental health, I think of mental health as like a, a, a let's say a circle. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, or, or a tree, a tree, this is a better analogy. And then there's all these different branches. So like mm -hmm. a, a big branch is, is, uh, therapy. Another branch is yoga. Another mm -hmm. branch off of that is meditation. You yeah. know, another branch out of that is sleep. Another branch off of that is, uh, yeah, eating so like well is water. So like, it's not it, like, I think it's important, like as yoga practitioners to know that like, it is a tool. Mm -hmm. And in your toolbox is more than one tool. Yes. And for us to really focus on our mental health, it doesn't take, I don't personally don't think it takes one modality. It takes I a agree. multitude of modalities. Yeah. Um. And so yoga is a really important one. And there's mm -hmm. a, a ton of others that are, that are really important. I find it hard to believe when people are like, this is it. This did it for me. Yeah. I just, I don't know, maybe they, I know I'm not in someone's body. So maybe. Yeah. But. And there are many, many tools. And I think that's important that you're bringing this up because I feel like I know like some like yoga purists, that's what I'll call it. Who just be like, yoga is the answer to everything. And, uh, you know, I don't need SSRIs or whatever it, because like they have yoga and they have the sun and they have, you know, organic foods and whatever. And like all those things are great. Yeah. If it and, works for and them, then all good those for you. things work, but it might not 
work for everybody. That's like, not I, a, it, that's not a, it might not work. It definitely, it, doesn't it work definitely doesn't work. Yeah. Because then we're like getting down to like the actual like biochemical mm-hmm. stuff that is happening inside people's brains. So like in this conversation that we're having, we are obviously big fans of yoga. This is <laughs> not only what this podcast is about, not only our careers, but it's like a passion of ours for a reason, but we are, we are not, you know, purists in that way. Like not Brasha just talked about being on Prozac. I personally am not on anything, but I do recognize that it is necessary for people. Well, and, and I don't, you know, and that... I don't want that to come with shame, you know? Oh no. What, what, that, what, what's a shame? Have like b- taking medication. Oh I my people, God. No, I are know, you kidding me? I, I know people it. who won't because they feel mm. a sense of shame. No shame, baby. I mean, like <laughs> I have no, sh- I mean, I just like, I know, like I have, I-, I take precautions too. I have family, I have family members that have had suicide attempts and suicidal ideation and severe depression and anxiety. So mm-hmm. I'm going to do everything I can that, that, that I have at my disposable at my privilege mm-hmm. to do. Yeah. If it's right for me again, uh, no one. Sh- and if you are listening to this, never shame anyone Yeah. for taking medication Agree. because it is uncalled for and it is rude. Mm-hmm. It is so rude that you would even judge someone. I even get frustrated. Like I was working at a studio one time. Was it, was it me or did someone tell me the story? I can't remember. I can't remember. This is my reality or just in my head. Um, <laughs> one of my obsessive thoughts. No, that there was a, uh, someone came into the studio and like they left their pack of cigarettes in like the mm. cubbies and someone was like, ew, they're smoking cigarettes. I'm like, why the fuck? Like if, you, if you're at, in my, like if you're actually practicing your yoga and yeah. why do you fucking care if that person's smoking cigarettes? That has nothing to do with you. Mm-hmm. Like when it's like when yoga people are like, I'm so yogic. I'm like, all you do is judge people. What the fuck are you talking about? Mm-hmm. But are you now judging them for judging others? Yeah. And that makes me better. <laughs> it's just the cycle. I'm just pointing out the cycle because you are. But the thing passionate. is, they're wrong, but they're wrong. <laughs> but you are right. And so you're better. <laughs> no, it is a vicious yeah, cycle, do. but I know exactly what you mean. It's just like to live your yoga. Mm. This, you know, this is kind of part of it. Like the whole, I don't know how much I want to like get into like the deeper philosophies or whatever, but like the attachments. Okay. We'll save that for another. (laughs) I'm just like, how much do I want to get? No, no, but you know, I think, okay, I'm going to take this somewhere else because I think like people might be, I was going to say something about like being attached to like the shoulds or the, the, what they should be doing. And, Uh, and, you know, I shouldn't smoke or Mm -hmm. I should be able to be present or I should do Mm -hmm. this. And then they start to cycle in those thoughts. Yes, of course. Even more. And then they get like attached to that story of, Mm -hmm. and then it actually creates more suffering. And Mm -hmm. so that's what we want to get away from. We want, we want to like what Bracha was saying is to detach, detach is to not judge whether it's someone else or yourself. And it's, you're releasing the identification with that story. Mm-hmm. Okay. One thing I hope that like yoga can bring to just the masses mm-hmm. is, and this sounds corny, but I really do mean this is some sense of compassion for yourself. Yeah. You for know, sure. like we're, we're just that we're so good 
at shitting on ourselves and saying mm-hmm. awful things about ourselves. I know. I think, I think most people are. I really do. I think most people are that like if a yoga practice can teach us to be kinder to ourselves, to understand mm-hmm. that we've experienced traumas, to understand that we have hurt people, but often behind those reasons of hurting people was because we were hurt. Hurt mm-hmm. people hurt people. And exploring those things that you've done in the past without shame in mm-hmm. order to make change. Because I think that we can get caught up so much in the narrative, so mm-hmm. much in the story, story, so much in this idea of being horrible that it just makes our, it creates more suffering and more pain for us and those we interact with. Ooh, that was good, motherfucker. That was good. That was deep. I feel like you are spitting Buddhist truths without even like actually using the terminolo- terminology and, and knowing it. Did Thank you know you so that? Much. Basically, well, Bradshaw is Buddha. No, that is absolutely. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm the I'm, gay. Actually, when I was younger, I was like, I'm the gay Buddha. I'm the gay Buddha. I'm the gay Buddha. I'm the gay Buddha. <laughs> Did you really? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> I'm so stupid. I, I got sick to my stomach because I was like, I'm the gay Buddha. I'm the gay Buddha. Where's the tree? 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 Oh my God. <laughs> the Buddha does say that life is suffering. This is dukkha. And this is dukkha is a big concept in yoga philosophy too. There's a lot of crossover. Again, I'm not a theologian. I don't know this stuff. I I, I feel like I know this stuff enough as like a layman and maybe people can understand it more because I'm not going to use words that make it sound more like complex or pretentious or whatever, or inaccessible than it is. But yes, dukkha is just an inherent fact of life. Like we all have that, whether you think so or not. I personally have never met one person who has not suffered at all or suffered with any mental illness at all. I don't know. That's just the circle I'm in, no, but, like, so- <laughs> but like, I literally don't know one person. No, if, if someone's like, I've never suffered with mental illness. I'm like, okay, you're mentally ill. We need to go talk to someone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Tito even has trauma, right? Teets? I'm holding Te- my dog right now. But yeah. Okay. Anyway. So in, in Buddhism, cause Bradshaw was getting there. We have, we have, <laughs> We have, we have the suffering. We've got the noble truths. The first one is that all beings suffer, whatever, uh, not whatever. I'm just going, but whatever. That's, that's literally like my talks during uh 200 hour. I'm like, we all suffer, whatever lectures over. <laughs> no big deal. No big, we all suffer. Get over it. Learn how okay. to breathe and call me later. <laughs> I'm the okay. gay Buddha. I'm the gay Buddha. I'm the gay Buddha. I'm the gay Buddha. Okay, but really, do you remember this? Mm-hmm. Okay, so the first truth is that life has inevitable suffering. The second is that there's a cause to the suffering. The third is that there's an end to the suffering. Mm-hmm. And the fourth is that the end to suffering is contained in an eightfold path. So it's very similar. It runs a parallel to um mm-hmm. what we learned from Patanjali. Um, but one of the really big things in Buddhism is compassion mm-hmm. and it's the compassion for yourself, the compassion for others and kind of like recognizing that these truths are, are universal. Like, mm-hmm. like we all have, this is a collective experience. Mm-hmm. And so that's my layman's, you know, who has a lot Trump. of compassion me, no, Donald Trump. <laughs> um, and- <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> Just kidding. uh, 
Yes. And all, you know, and I think that like a lot of these things, these words are buzzwords in the yoga world, you know, compassion, mm-hmm. empathy, understanding. Um, and one mm-hmm. of the things that I have struggled with as someone, again, who has spent tons of money and time and energy and therapy is I don't personally don't like when people kind of throw these things around, mm-hmm. like these words around where I'm like, okay, but what are these, what does it mean to actually be compassionate? Yeah. What does it actually mean to be empathetic? Not this kind of spiritual bypassing. Well, like people connect to these terms. Let me just kind of throw them out mm-hmm. in a, in a, in a yoga room. Maybe that's a different conversation, but do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think that's a really great question because Because it is hard to teach compassion, but I think that's what we do on the yoga mat is we Mm -hmm. get to analyze where our thoughts are bringing us. We like see our anxieties and the patterns that we are ingraining in ourselves. And then we Mm -hmm. try to disconnect from that, detach from it and observe it without letting it be the truth. Like, are those thoughts really the truth? And when we could do that, then we could start to find compassion for ourselves. And by finding compassion for ourselves, Mm -hmm. we're able to extend that same awareness about the mind to others and recognize Mm -hmm. that, you know, everybody has a story and we're able to share or show compassion to others. But I do think that this is why yoga is such a great tool for, for, um, mental health, because Mm -hmm. we can really cultivate, self-compassion first and foremost Mm -hmm. and to bring this back to yoga philosophy briefly because we didn't really get into this but one of the main concepts is that part of the human experience it it takes us away from our true nature and i think a lot of these things we're talking about anxiety depression ocd you name it it's it gets us stuck in the human experience where we then disconnect from our true nature. And whether you believe this or not, or you want to reframe it in your own way, when we get stuck in these loops and narratives and the identification with the eyes, the me's, the my's, we are no longer seeing ourselves for our true divine nature. Well, that's also like comes back to like the yoking, the unity, like it's all the same. Yeah, it's all exactly. the same. So like we somehow become separate from, yeah, but rock, but like from our is, true nature. And, and the whole point is coming back together. Yeah. Hello, Chaturanga. We warrior just one. solved yoga. Yeah, do a warrior one, do a warrior one, do a warrior one. Uh, no, but really? It's so hard that it's so hard to do this because like we are human beings, like living a human experience. So we're like, well, yeah, that's why it's like I a feel, practice. Like I feel separate. <laughs> and you're like, I actually feel very like of an individual. Okay. <laughs> you know that in North Korea, they teach you not to be an individual and they don't have the word love. I've been doing a ton of research on North Korea. It's wild. Um, okay. It's called communism. Yeah. Com- I, yeah communism is unique. Uh, so, <laughs> okay. I would also like to say just cause we've gotten really heady, which I think is really good, but like on a, like a serious and also lighter note, when I think mm-hmm. about my mental health and like not trying to overthink it and what's mm-hmm. good for it. It's like, yeah laughing, like connecting yeah. with people that I really love and care about and spending time with them and um, showing up for people that I care about. And, you know, us talking on the phone four times a day, like yeah. whatever, like those simple It's the things. moments of connection. And I think 100%. this kind of is 
this relates. So like when we practice yoga, we're connecting with ourselves, but there's way more methods. There's a myriad of ways of connection, like connecting with people, Mm -hmm. connecting with nature, Mm -hmm. connecting with whatever brings you joy. Connecting with yourself, if you know what I mean. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. So we've talked a little bit about like our experiences. We talked a lot a bit about all of your obsessive thoughts. (laughs) We've talked I feel like we uh, spent 90% about talking about your obsession of thoughts. Uh. No, I mean, I loved it because it's, it's a moment of vulnerability for you, but it's also so relatable. Like, oh yeah. I mean, I you don't, you don't even want to know what I obsess over, but. Oh, I know, but I, we won't go well, into it, but I yeah, know. no, no. Perfect. I have like, most of my thoughts are like perfectionism. I have like mm crazy intrusive thoughts of like accidentally hurting people because it would be like my biggest fear or like, yeah, you know, things like that. And intrusive thoughts I think are interesting because are you, are you, are you saying intrusive thoughts as, as obsessive thoughts of like OCD, like you're putting those kind of, but in intru- intrusive is some, yes, intrusive can be obsessive, but intrusive means like, it just like comes out comes of in. no, comes out of nowhere. And then you cycle and like, obsess over it and oftentimes intrusive thoughts are like irrational thoughts that are the opposite of your desires or intentions yes which is terrifying yeah and that's why you have them because they're terrifying I actually Mm. read this really good book back when I when I had no clue why the hell I was having intrusive thoughts I know what book you're talking about it's called the intrusive thoughts of Gianna Gambino (laughs) yes no, this book is called Overcoming Unwanted Intrusive Thoughts. It explains actually how your brain is wired. So like what happens when you experience trauma, the receptors that tell you you're in trouble. Yeah, that moves you into the sympathetic nervous system. The fight or yes, flight. exactly. And then you're in fight or flight. Like if you were a friggin' gazelle being chased by a lion. And mm-hmm. now all of a sudden your adrenaline's going and you're trying to friggin' run for your life. Like you are in fight or flight, but then oftentimes like those connections get like stopped and po- like things get stuck and, and, and trapped in like the, am I going to say it right? The amygdala is that how you say it? Mm-hmm. You're like, mm-hmm, I don't know. Um, yeah, I think it's the amygdala. <laughs> the amygdala and then that is where it comes from like that cycle because yeah, you still think cycle, you're in yeah. fight or flight even yeah. though it doesn't process it process gets stuck. and let it and it gets stuck there and mm-hmm. so learning that was super super helpful um cognitive behavioral therapy that's something I did for a while in like maybe six years ago it helped me with like obsessive thoughts and um mm-hmm. So if you're anything like me and it helps you to know why things are the way they are, I definitely recommend this book. It was really helpful mm-hmm. and um, they've got great illustrations in there. And I've just added, you know, reading in general and uh, into one of the many tools I use um, on my own little mental health journey. Yoga is a really big one, but so is reading about it. So is talk therapy and I can go on. I don't know where I was going with that fully. I definitely got on a tangent, but <laughs> no, <laughs> but I think I was like started talking about intrusive thoughts, totally forgot where I was going, but then started talking about the gazelle and a lion. <laughs> and then I was like reminded of something up. Maybe I, I might have undiagnosed ADHD also, mm-hmm. but, um, 
there's also another good book because we've like kind of touched on trauma and one of one of one of my favorite books on that is called waking the tiger which is where I got that little like analogy, analogy. From. yeah that's like a very very well-known yeah yeah so if you are interested in like learning about trauma and where it's stored in your body and all of that um that's another really good book but I think um in this episode I don't know if we've successfully wrapped things up in a pretty bow but like I think it was important for us to tell our stories and and how yoga has helped us process this and so like getting back to that I just want to like reiterate that it is a practice like there are days where I can use some of these tools more effectively than others and there are days where I need different tools but one that consistently one that has consistently worked for me is breath work is doing things to bring my nervous system in that rest and digest state. So maybe it's, um, a meditation or a yoga nidra. That's like one of my favorite things to do is put on like an audio yoga nidra and kind of just allow my body to be in a relaxed position and take my mind on a little journey. Um, and I love restorative yoga. I think that Bracha touched on something earlier about us always being stimulated, the phones, the eye watches and whatever, and, and truly disconnecting and practicing something like restorative yoga is like the greatest gift you can give yourself just to like literally relax and get back into that rest and digest state. Um, okay. So is there, can you remember a time Bradshaw where you had like an emotional or transformative moment in your practice? Like, have you ever cried while practicing? Yeah. Yeah. Same. Oh, I got, yeah. Um, have you had a transformative emotional experience in your yoga practice? Yeah. I've been emotional. (laughs) I mean, like, I'm not someone who's just like, I took, I did this class one time and there was this one thing that happened. Like some people have, I just, I'm not going to pretend like I have, I just have. Yeah. 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 Well, I know. Have I been emotional in class? Like, yeah, from like moving and breathing from like my mom passing, of course, of course. Mm -hmm. But like, that's one of the things about yoga too, is like, I really do think like it helps the, like the energy, the prana move through you, which makes you emotional. It moves it. It moves the prana, your life force, your energy. That is why. Yeah. I think like when people say trauma gets stored in your body, whether we can like scientifically prove this or not. I don't even care. It's like, you know, something effective is happening mm-hmm. when like you leave yoga and you feel good. Another or, great book is called the body keep score, which is literally about that one's good. Everyone always recommends that one. It's literally excruciating. I'm going to have a controversial opinion on that one. It is like a textbook that is so hard to read. Cause I've, I've actually read it. I feel like you <laughs> might have listened to the audiobook. <laughs> He's giving me the dirtiest look over at Zoom, but let's get real. Yeah, I, I listen- no, I listened to it on audiobook and just let me just tell you, his literally, voice is, it's just probably- as, is just as is tiring. <laughs> he started talking. I was like, oh my God, we're going to talk about trauma. I want someone to be like, trauma, it's stored in your body. And he was like, trauma. You- it was awful. <laughs> it was good. I'm just like, I'm like, he like sounded like the library. I'm not um, saying I'm not saying it's a bad book. It's a great book. It's a resource. It's like a textbook. It's something you go back and revisit 
but I think if you want something that's like a quicker read and easily digestible and helpful, I like the other one, but I like, there's so many, maybe we could put a, I'll put, if you guys are interested in this, let me know, comment on, give us a good review. And then that that says you want to know more. I'll put a little resource. Um, but I want to say one thing. I remember this one time I was doing a practice. I was like dealing with a breakup that was really emotional. Again, grief, grief always draws me back. And I was doing something where I was just like crying hysterically and I was trying to hide it. I think we were in a seated section, but I just like tears were flowing. I was just a cathartic moment. And the teacher just like came by like very, very sweetly and just like snuck me some tissues. And it was so, so so sweet. It was so sweet. It was really nice. Yeah. That's a really, that's a really cute story. Yeah. Do you have, okay. That's really an emotional story, but do you have a funny story? Yeah. So I think this week, because of the nature of this episode, maybe our stories are going to be like more random. (laughs) No, I got one for you. I got one that happened to me today. I got one that happened literally today. Happened today. I like the story you told me yesterday. Okay. What happened today? I didn't hear this one. So there are these two girlfriends in class and like they we're talking to each other, Gianna, the entire time, like, mm-hmm. and like talking like, oh my God. Yeah. This one's really hard. Like talking, <laughs> like talking to each other. Yeah. And we're laying, we're doing a supine twist at the end. Like there's very light music playing and they are talking. I mean, like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm actually shocked at how much they're you talking. Didn't, you didn't say anything. So I was like this, I was literally looked at them. I was like, is this, is this really going on? And so I go, okay, we're going to set up for shh. Shavasana. You emphasize yeah, the and I go, Yeah, I'm like, Shavasana, <laughs> where we can be silent and relaxed. And this, a, a regular of mine comes to me and she said, when you said Shavasana, she's like, I almost peed my pants because oh I kept thinking, when are they going to stop talking? She's like, she's like, they were talking so loudly that she thought it was someone walking by on the street. That is honestly so rude and i i i can't wait for our yoga etiquette episode because we will be talking about it but i literally so now like now when i just i literally messaged her on instagram and i go shh Shavasana. oh wait you goes, you know the people or I know, oh i know okay. i know the girl who came up to me who's laughing about me saying shh, uh, okay. and she goes she messaged me back she goes i'll never forget <laughs> People don't forget. Oh my God. Um, okay. So my funny story this week, I think um, I'm trying to find something that <laughs> that will relate. How about that yoga student, Bradshaw, you know who I'm talking about, who had a crush on me? Which one? Which one? <laughs> literally, literally guys walk into a yoga class. They see you and they're like, <laughs> I'm like, oh God. Well, the one that had like no filter about it. Oh my God. Obsessed. He was obsessed with you. I was just like, I was like, can, I was like, can you please stop undressing her with your eyes? It's making me uncomfortable. Well, well, here's, here's the funny thing. It's like every now and then there's a student where you might be like, okay, they have a, a yoga crush on you. And it's just like, you know, ethics, boundaries, I don't know, all those things. <laughs> this student came on a yoga retreat with us and was very, very vocal about liking me better than Bradshaw, which doesn't happen often. So I appreciated it. 
<laughs> but it's okay. Was, I, I'm happy he didn't like me more, to be very frank. I know, but he would be like, Russia, you're you're a great teacher, but like Gianna, she's like the best teacher. She is like, like, but Gianna's better. I'm like, okay, you like don't have to say that, <laughs> but okay. Wait, how about we we joked on the retreat that it was our wedding, and I was wearing. Was, like, I just terrified. happened. I was just happen. I just happened to wear a white dress to dinner that night, and we were and we were joking. It's our wedding, <laughs> and he like took me aside, like at dinner, not in a creepy way. He was like you're not really going to marry Bradshaw, are you? <laughs> like, no. He's like, okay. Cause I was going to say, you're like way out of this league. <laughs> he told me. Also, I'm literally me. a faggot. Like, how does he not know that I'm gay? Like, does he really think know, that we're getting told, married? He told me I was much better looking than you are. <laughs> well, you're also a woman. Oh my God. It was a really glorious moment well do you want to know what happened that night i married him and we met out I'm just <laughs> imagine that was the real twist to the story yeah you're like you're like and then he married bradshaw <laughs> and two seconds ago you didn't know who he was Ugh. oh my god oh my god well listen so this funny. episode was a lot we hope that if you <laughs> we hope that if you um are listening to this and feel inspired to like seek out other tools and not put all your eggs in the yoga basket, go do it. We love therapy. We recommend therapy. And we also like, I think this is, you know, a conversation that could go on and on. So if you enjoyed this episode again, just like rate review, subscribe Mm. five stars only for our mental health. (laughs) (laughs) because <laughs> we will, we will you're like actually if you want me to have another obsession put a two star and i'll be having an obsession for the um, next three weeks um, but, but, but i also actually, wanted to say if you're if you are in illinois or in chicago i go to the depth counseling um they're a therapy group i love my therapist there so I know it can be hard finding a therapist. So it's called depth counseling. If you're kind of looking for somewhere in the city. Um, yeah. yeah. And then if anyone else has any recommendations, let us know and we can put them on the Kaya page or, or somewhere when or this the episode show comes notes. out for some resources. Yeah. 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 And if um, you want to come with us to Nicaragua for a little retreat for yourself, that's happening February, 2024. So you yeah, can check the, the that last out. Time I, I think, I actually think that, um, how do I say this? Retreats are good for mental health. I don't know if you've heard that. um... I wasn't going to get super promo-y, but I'm just like, oh, I'll drop that real quick. No, 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 no. We're we're, we're literally using the mental health topic to get sales. So thank (laughs) you guys so much for, (laughs) I'm just kidding. Thank you guys so much for joining and we'll talk to you soon. Remember to be yourself and uh, yeah, we love you. Bye. We love you. Thanks for listening. And I said, yeah, 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 yeah. I said, hey, what's going on?